0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly.
1: Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.
2: welcome to the road Wire fantasy football podcast. This is the last Thursday episode of the 2016 season. This is it. This is the finale. Sad. I, uh, it's very sad. I asked you to bring Ham's tall boys in. You didn't. I didn't. Um, went I to tried, uh,
3: there's security clearance issues. What? I mean, and around, I mean, that's basically like the equivalent of trying to bring like a bomb or a gun into a building. No. That type of thing. No. You bring you bring some you bring a case of hams into an airport you're getting tackled within fifteen seconds. Yeah, you will at an airport. This isn't a, we don't work at an airport. This is a high security area. The door was locked when I came into the office on Saturday, first time maybe ever.
2: <laughs> two tall boys.
3: That's all I asked for, and you
2: let well, me down. That's what I
3: told you. Like I'm not just gonna drink one hams. Like you don't. You don't not, you that's know not the, the experience. Well, what is, is it like? Lay's that had that? Like we dare you to eat just one. Like it's like that with hams, where it's like, oh, I'll have just one. You know, cut two, three hours later, you're like going back to get another twelve pack it doesn 't work like that like if you it's either you don't have it at all or you have a bunch all right I guess that's the You'll way have to it's take done. my word for it
2: i'm going to have to i 'm not going to partake in twelve hams ever it's It's just not going to happen uh busy week of course, with the championship week being uh, held for many leagues out there, so good luck to those playing four titles. Uh, it begins with tonight's matchup between the Giants and the Eagles, and I know one Chris Liss is very nervous that his Giants are going to choke. They are one-and-a-half-point road favorites. In Philadelphia, the Eagles have been much better at home where they're 4-2 and two than they have been on the road this season. I think they've got one win overall on the road. Do you buy into the Eagles? as is a team that's good enough to deal with the Giants' pass rush and to run the ball and to actually put up points against the Giants
3: I think they'll hang in the game um you know this is a division matchup teams that you know are familiar with each other I think it's not gonna be a blowout but I think the Giants do go into Philadelphia and win uh maybe not easily uh maybe not by more than a touchdown but but I think they'll get it done I mean are we are we finally ready to accept that the Giants are at least like kind of good no because Eli Manning sucks and Ben McAdoo (laughs) fell off the Mike
2: McCarthy coaching tree
3: Okay, that's those are two pretty strong points. Those are good. Those are good reasons, yeah. right? No, I'm not gonna argue with that. I like the Giants' defense. I think they have
2: a, a Super Bowl caliber defense. They have a passable at best quarterback and a subpar head coach. I think that's a recipe Two-time for two time Super
3: Bowl winning quarterback.
2: Yeah, right. Well, I mean, a rising tide lifts all boats, so it's, it's what it is. But I, I actually think the Giants are better than the Eagles, and they will win this game. Uh, And keep some of the pressure on the Cowboys. But I don't look at the Giants as a team that wins more than one playoff game this year with their current construct. Let's talk Dolphins and Bills. No weather concerns really in this one, at least as far as like a a snowstorm anyway. It might be windy and rainy, but it's not going to be completely awful. Uh, Dolphins are three and a half point underdogs in this one. And it's kind of surprising to me because they seem like they are the better team. Matt Moore. I guess that's the whole reason, but the lack of quality, healthy pass catchers for the bills. I know Sammy Watkins has been playing 40 plus snaps, three consecutive games. He had one catch last week against the Browns. I mean, do you expect Sammy Watkins to be useful as a third receiver this week for owners who need him?
3: I mean, it's still the same conversation that we've had with him the last few weeks, right? It's I think he's healthy enough. Like, that doesn't seem to be an issue, but do you, like, obviously you're not starting him or you're not comfortable starting him, I guess, as you're one or your two two, and if you're, you know, in a fantasy final, you know, this week, you probably didn't get there this far by riding Sammy Sammy Watkins' coattails. Uh, but it comes down to, like, okay, do you want Sammy Watkins as your number three or as your flex or, you know, I don't try to think, you know, like a Sterling Shepard type of guy. Like, you know, I think... Watkins still has the upside but his floor is about as low as it gets for someone who's as talented as he is right he's got the foot injury still not going through full
2: practices every day so you could just see the bills backing off him given the long-term implications of trying to ensure that his injury doesn't get worse Uh, I'd like the Dolphins to come away outright so I'll take them getting the three and a half on the road I think the the money is split 50-50 or close to 50-50 based on the the screen I'm looking at right now. So it it is kind of a toss-up with the 3.5. Maybe you put this game on a neutral field and it is a complete pickem. Let's move on to the Falcons and Panthers. Falcons, as we talked about before, they have been the most generous defense to opposing quarterbacks from a fantasy points-per-game standpoint this season. It's a great spot for Cam. The shootout is expected. 52 is your over-under Panthers are only two and a half point dogs at home to an Atlanta team that looks like legitimately one of the better teams in the NFC.
3: Yeah, that is a bit of a surprising line. Um, although you know it's been the same story with Carolina. You know, a couple times they just haven't showed up. You know, this season, um, and one of those times was against Atlanta. You know, back in in Week Four when they were blown out. Uh, On the road, but you know, then they have these games where you know they beat San Diego and Washington each of the last two weeks. The defense has looked better, you know, allowing a combined thirty-one points in those two games. So, Carolina is still a dangerous team. We we've talked about it all year. It's like they're kind of like Arizona to me, where it's like the record doesn't look good. You know, there's times where they look like a just terrible, discombobulated team. But there's also times that kind of remind you you why they were so good last year and why we expected them to be so good in 2016.
2: There are times where the Panthers need to go through the recombobulation area Mm -hmm. at the uh, General Mitchell Milwaukee Airport. you familiar with this?
3: No, um, I'm not actually. I think I've only flown out of Milwaukee a couple times, usually a Chicago guy or a Madison guy.
2: Oh, yeah, you're loyal loyal to the Chicago airport.
3: Yeah, you know me, frequent flyer.
2: Yes, well... In Milwaukee, after you go through security, there's a, a sign hanging from the ceiling and it says recombobulation area where there's kind of a couple benches and some tables that you can put your, your suitcase on in case. So kind you, of like
3: collect yourself.
2: You get to recombobulate yourself. I think it's the only one in the entire world. I don't think there's any other recombobulation area anywhere else in the world. And it made me think, like, what is supposed to happen to us at security? How, how frazzled— are well, you I think it's to more be?
3: like here, you know don't sit here and like put your shoes back on, put your belt back on while you're in line. Right? You know? Don't, like, don't clog the line. All like, that get out stuff of here out of and tray. put yourself back yeah. together away
2: from the line. Right. Which is a good idea. I don't know how many people adhere to that. Right.
3: Yeah. I usually just try to run through security as fast as I can.
2: They did the, they did that for the the league right? One of the season openers. They for the first pick in the draft. They decided whoever got through security first at the airport could have the first pick. So they were all just messing with each other. Like somebody put, I don't know, something ticking in Andre's bag or something. You know, just all sorts of uh, classic hijinks. hijinks. Yeah, just that's that's a that's always funny.
3: <laughs> Air, airport <laughs> fake jokes. bomb at, at the airport that's like always hilarious. Clowning your friends
2: with yep. with fake bombs at the airport is just a uh, gas. I,
3: I flew out of Madison uh, like a year and a half ago, I think, and. They, you know, I was like the random person they selected to check for like bomb residue. You're Next. the
2: only person there, probably. They was like, no. "Oh, we got to do
3: this to somebody," and you're the only well, person flying much, out yeah. of this airport. I, I, was today. I being, you know, was I being profiled? Maybe I don't know. Was, it a, ra- was it a race thing? I don't know. Who's to say? Uh, but they pulled me aside and they're like, "All right, we need to test you for bomb residue." And I was like, you know, I was kind of in a hurry at that point. I was like, "What if? I, I mean, like, guys, I swear I don't have a bomb on me." And the, the guy just looked at me like just stone face, like. Don't you ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. I'm just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. He's like, don't even say that word. Like, if you're in an airport, don't say the word bomb. I like, okay, all right. Well, yeah. do I really look like someone who is here to, to cause trouble with my? I think I was carrying an MBA branded duffel bag. That I've had since, like, sixth grade. Maybe that's why you look so suspicious. They're like, you this guy's not in the NBA. You had a 12-year-old
2: duffel bag that yeah. you were hauling around. Yeah,
3: that's the thing. I guess a duffel bag in
2: itself is just kind of suspicious. A children's late 90s, early 2000s duffel bag. It's as luggage. children's. It's, will, it's
3: full-size. Oh, it's, it's, it's an adult just bag as an NBA that you received
2: logo. as a child. Yeah,
3: and that, that following Christmas, I think I got legit luggage from my parents, which is something that most people get when they're in, like, eighth grade, you know? My parents were just a little bit late on that.
2: I think it's good to learn a lesson about travel yourself at some point in your life. Like I went to the airport, I was flying back from Miami, my cousin's wedding. And I like a complete just clown. I mean, there's no, no other way to describe it in hindsight. I went to the airport wearing my swim trunks. I I don't know why, I I don't know if I was out of pants and shorts and I was like, well, it's my last clean pair of shorts. So I'm going to wear these. Mm. So I I just had a white t-shirt and swim trunks on as I went through security. And they, as soon as I stepped into the line, they're like, "Sir, (laughs) come on over here. You're you're going through the extra screening." What's going on, man? (laughs) Yeah, I I was college age kid at the time, and I just like, what am I, what am I doing with my life? Why am I, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. But the best security story I know of actually happened at Disney. My parents went to Disney together. No kids. They They didn't bring any of the kids. Because we're all it's kind of an odd place to go without kids. They don't have grandkids, and I think they're at the point where they're like, "Well, if we don't go to Disney now, we're not going to see all of Disney in the next." Who few wants years. to go to
3: Disney? My parents had been trying to get my sister and I to go to Disney for years, and like her and I, even in like middle school, were like, "No, we don't want to go there." Like, even my sister is like a third grader, was like, "No, I'm too old for this." <laughs>
2: Your parents and my parents just go to Disney together and yeah, hang sure. out because <laughs> they they just want to be there so badly. Yeah, put them in touch. So my dad, my dad's got a, a bit of a keggerator for for a gut. We did not have the same physique. He's
3: Hopefully. not as ripped as you.
2: Not as ripped as I am. He's he's got this. Uh, he's, he's got the beer belly going, and he's standing in line waiting to get into the park, like Epcot or something. And all of a sudden, a security person comes up, and at Disney, they 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 put a nice spin on it. They say, "Sir, you've been selected to be part of Goofy's special family." And my dad, <laughs> he's like, "Oh, great! That Somebody sounds good." Did they roll up in like a pedophile van. <laughs> No, they, they just walked Rope. up to him, you know. Goofy's special family. Goofy's Rope. special family, and my dad was excited. He thought he'd won some kind of prize, and the, the employee led him over to the other security area, and they had to pat him down extra to make sure he wasn't like hiding something under his shirt. So, kind of a, a disappointing moment for the uh, the Van Riper family. Mm-hmm. But that's that's what Goofy's special family is at Disney. If you're that's in a line real
3: look yourself in the mirror moment when. <laughs> You must be hiding something. Like no, that's just my body. I just, I just like how he
2: thought it was like a good thing when it started. Yeah, and uh, that's a tough break. He, hmm. he wasn't as excited about it after experiencing the extra security. Yeah, after screen. being profiled. Down. Yeah, it didn't didn't happen it's that fat way. Fat shaming. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Falcons minus two and a half. I Carolina. They showed up against Washington, but Washington just they were terrible. They, they were really they bad. Were they were Awful in that pretty game. Bad. I think this will be a nice, fun shootout to watch, though, as part of the Saturday slate of games. Uh, Redskins on the road taking on the Bears. I think they're going to bounce back. The Bears, people are going to be overly hyped about what they did against the Packers, like making that game close. But if Devonte Adams,
3: <laughs> the doesn't hype for drop, the Bears
2: is out of control, reckless hype right now. And and again, because Washington looks so bad Monday night, it's gonna be one of those things where everyone's going to adjust both teams mm-hmm. too much. I'll give them the three with Washington. I think they keep their very slim playoff hopes alive and win this game by more than three. I think they win by a TD.
3: If Devontae Adams catches one of those two touchdowns, the Bears are dead in the water and nobody, you know, the perception of them, I think, is quite a bit different.
2: Yeah, if he pulls in both. I mean, James Anderson made a point. We were talking on the XM show about Adams and his value. and It's one of those things where those catches look really easy on TV because Rodgers put the ball right in his hands perfectly. But it was 10 degrees, and the ball's thrown mm-hmm. like on a dime. It's not actually an easy play to make, even though he should be able to make it. At right. least one of the two. But anyway, yeah. it's just one of those goofy things. That game's out of reach if Adams pulls in mm-hmm. uh, those TDs. Uh, Jordan Howard, I think, is fine, though, in this matchup. No concerns there. Get a lot of questions about Cameron Meredith this week and whether you should play him over an assortment of number three receivers. You know, it's Cameron Meredith versus Doug Baldwin, even, who's, I think... Kind of matchup proof in PPR, but he does get Patrick Peterson uh, this week. So with Cameron Meredith, it's like there are three options right now. It's Elshon Jeffrey, Deontay Thompson, and Meredith. I'm not worried about Josh Norman taking away any one of those three guys. I don't think like two pickups. They've been weird about
3: like matching him up exclusively on one guy anyway.
2: Yeah. I, I just, I don't really, I don't look at that as something that would lead my decision making towards Meredith over someone else who I ordinarily would play. I mean no. I, I would rather I would rather play I think I'd rather play Travis Benjamin against the Browns than Cameron Meredith against the Redskins.
3: Uh, Travis Benjamin revenge game?
2: That's exactly exactly Travis Benjamin revenge I like that. Chargers are 6 point favorites. Heavy survivor pick for those who are still going in Week 16. If your survivor pool goes to Week 16... Yeah,
3: you're he, a psycho. You should
2: probably, come, cheating. probably come right for us, uh, assuming you don't have like multiple rebuys or something. So Chargers are favored by six. Robert Griffin's starting again. Chargers have nothing to play for. Browns have actually a lot to play for because they can get the number one pick if they continue to lose. Probably the reason why they're using Robert Griffin in the first place.
3: Well... If RG three gets a win for the Browns, would that be a bigger achievement than winning the Heisman? Yeah, probably. They should put up, you know, that big LeBron witness banner. You think? There need to be like there needs to be like an RG three. Dig that out of the out of the crawl yeah. space. Yeah, kind of like or or maybe like that that kind of still of Josh McCown helicoptering across the goal line.
2: Did he make it across the goal line? No, yeah, I he, believe he fumbled. He fell a little
3: short, yeah. Like he, he fumbled he got cussed and, and fumbled. Almost died. Yeah. Yeah, he
2: blacked out on the field. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that was that was quite a moment. Um, it was not good. Well, I was telling I was telling Mario like I, I think the the Browns finally had their moment, their zero sixteen moment with the flea flicker a couple weeks ago. Like we had talked about, like the Lions had a couple of those moments when they were zero sixteen. Of course, the the the, the play, the, the Orlovsky safety, um, and then the Browns had kind of avoided that until the flea flicker. But you know, fl- tossing the ball back into your own end zone, throwing into triple coverage, having it picked off. That's something that only 0 and sixteen teams do. Yeah, like uh
2: like a real clown, I'm gonna go ahead and take the Chargers, giving up six. I yeah, think Rivers can seems fair. carve up that secondary.
3: This is it for the Browns. Like they're not beating they're going to Pittsburgh next week. No, so they're
2: not winning that one. This is their last chance. And the thing about it too with the Chargers, they've got two good tight ends. The Browns are horrible at covering tight ends. Right. So matchup wise, I think you could see Gates and Henry do a lot. I like Benjamin a little bit this week, especially in GPPs. I like him yeah. more in DF. Well, how are, how are the long? Chargers
3: at defending Flea Flickers? I checked, like, RotoWire doesn't have defense versus Flea Flicker stats. Well, you have to ask some people about that in tech, see if they can pull yeah. in that. I'll have to feed. talk to Rob. Um, you know, the Flea Flicker thing, yeah, that, that's, that's the variable that I really hadn't accounted for. I mean, James and I, even in the offseason, we we're, kind of, were pushing the Flea Flicker raid off it, like run it every play. You really
2: gotta play a Tecmo Super Bowl. They play they, they it's in there.
3: It's like the reed flea flicker. You know, you can kinda you can run it, you can pass it, you can whip it downfield.
2: Right. Well you should probably coach high school football and just make the I should. I've been thinking signature. that for a
3: while. I've got some ideas. You got some good ideas? <laughs> the innovative flea flicker raid offense, yeah. Do you like anybody on the Cleveland side at all? I mean Pryor's got the this Terrell injury. Pryor stuff is weird, right? Like all these people just coming out of the woodwork saying they hate Terrell Pryor? Like I read, like somebody like the Niners like had some former Ohio State teammate who was like, I hated that guy at Ohio State. Everybody hated him. <laughs> Brian Hartline said he hated him. Like how wow, horrible Brian, a Hartline person. came
2: back to to trash Terrell. Hartline, yeah,
3: Hartline like just recently this week. I think he he Did has they like even a play there together. I think they played together at Ohio State and with the Browns. Oh, they, they the
2: Browns they they played together. Yeah, for sure with the Browns. Played together yeah, at Ohio maybe State, maybe they missed
3: by a year. I feel like Hartline was there. I mean, that was a while ago already. That Terrell Pryor was at Ohio State um yeah i suppose i just it's it's kind of weird all these people are just coming out of the woodwork to to trash terrell Pryor. like not that i'm all that surprised i mean he was the number one recruit I mean, he's a huge huge recruit coming in and i guess it would be easy to imagine him not being the easiest to deal with but still i hope we can get the audio on the soundboard for next
2: year pac-man jones looking in the garbage for (laughs) you in there bro you in there
3: (laughs) that was that was incredible
2: that was that was pretty great uh kenneth farrell didn't play well last week but you don't say 15 carries you know lost a fumble give him 15 carries again against the browns if melvin gordon doesn't play 80 yards and a td seem within reach i i I think there's a couple factors one melvin gordon's a part of the charge plans for next year Mm -hmm. you don't want to risk further injury and two it makes sense to give kenneth farrow a lot of touches to see if he's part of your plan as a backup for next year yeah I don't think they're considering Ronnie Hillman for the future. So, why even get Ronnie Hillman heavily involved outside of situations where you feel like it's past protection? If we put Kenneth Farrow out there, Philip Rivers might get decapitated right You want to avoid decapitations, so then Hillman plays passing downs, but I think Faro can actually be a useful player this week against that porous Browns defense,
3: yeah, I like what you said there you always almost always want to avoid decapitations, especially this late in the season. I think the Chargers just kind of want to they want to follow the blueprint that every other team has with the browns where it 's like all right, build a quick fourteen nothing lead, and then just manage the game the rest of the way, so I think you know we could see them put up a few. Uh, early touchdowns, throw the ball quite a bit in the first quarter, try to build that lead, uh, and then just basically run it out with with Farrow. Packers' seven-point favorites against the
2: Vikings, who after week five were the number one-ranked team on Peter King's power rankings. and I I thought they were real at the time. I thought the defense was good. I thought they were figuring some things out with Bradford that were going to work. I thought Stephon Diggs was emerging as an elite receiver. All sorts of problems going on. I like the Vikings getting the seven. I think that seems high, right? It's a rivalry game. The Vikings still have slim playoff hopes too, right? If they win right. this week and next week, and then the Packers go ahead and, you know, if they would lose this week, if the Vikings win and then go out and, and knock out Detroit, and Detroit loses this week, the Vikings still can have a, a path into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer's defense has done a good job against Aaron Rodgers. I think the Xavier rhodes uh, Jordy Nelson matchup creates some problems where the Packers have to rely more on Jared Cook and Randall Cobb. Cobb hasn't played well in recent weeks. Cook's banged up. Yeah. Cook's hard to rely on. Even though he played well against the Bears and he had the big game against the Eagles a few weeks ago, I think the Packers do win this game outright. But I think they have to sweat it out. I think they win it by mm-hmm. three instead of seven.
3: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I I could see this one being a little bit more low scoring, um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do think Green Bay finds a way to win. I mean, Sam Bradford is leading the NFL in completion percentage still, so it's not like he's just gone in the tank. And what concerns me is that. You know, obviously Bradford is not throwing the ball downfield or very rarely throwing the ball downfield, but you know, what killed the Packers in the second half last week was those, you know, short kind of dink and dunk, run after the catch type of plays. And and that's kind of when Minnesota throws the ball, that's what they're looking for. Uh and maybe part of that last week was Green Bay just kind of playing off and looking to prevent the big play against Chicago, you know, while well leading in the second half. But um, you know, they, they really didn't have a ton of resistance, I guess, you know, over the middle. For Matt Barkley. So that's a little bit of a concern. The, the seven-point line does seem high. Um, you know, if it was four or five, I think I would be, feel a little more comfortable taking Green Bay. I just, I don't, I mean, there, there's an eight and six versus a seven-seven team. I, seven just seems high.
2: And the recent form for the Vikings has been Right, bad, and like the
3: Vikings right? got smoked, you know, by, by the Colts, but so did the Packers.
2: Yeah, that happened. I really did. The America's division kind of rearing its head. Yeah, showing, Beating its chest. All right, well let's talk uh I don't I don't want to do this to you, but we'll we'll do it. Titans Jags.
3: Jags. Last time these teams played, yeah, five is I mean it's is in Jacksonville, but five is about 45 points too low. I mean what last time these teams played was on a Thursday night, Color Rush, Color Rush, must, must never, never rush forget for the Jags, yeah, never forget. Um and I believe the Jags were down what 27 to 0 at one point in that game. Um uh, the wild card here is they have a new coach. So like to me that's worth that that's worth like a plus 4 for the jags. So this line should really like if Gus Bradley was still the coach, it'd be like Titans by 9.
2: Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm thinking about it this way. Are the jags a team that have the talent necessary to Dan Campbell it, right? Remember that week last last season when Dan Campbell yeah. took over for for Joe Philbin? Yeah, he was the best coach in the league for 2 weeks. For for, for one week at least he he was and then things kind of went back to normal. The Jags have talent. I don't think anyone looks at that roster and says this, this roster is the problem. I mean, they're they're more mm-hmm. talented than the Rams, the Bears, the <laughs> Niners. Just, wow, uh, the Jets. So at, least, at least four teams so have. So they, the they they're
3: like at worst the twenty sixth most talented. Oh, the
2: more talented than the, the Browns. Week. So okay. the, at worst the twenty seventh. <clears throat>
3: yeah no, I mean that's there's this roster is just teeming with talent. um I just don't know if there's gonna be enough of a sample you know, like I don't think they they're eyeing Doug Marone as their next coach. It's just like it's gonna be tough with two weeks left in the season to really gauge you know if this team has shown improvement or if they respond to the coaching change. Doug Marone seems like the guy that could actually emerge to
2: keep the job, though. I know they think they want Coughlin. They've they they want Coughlin, but will they will they get Coughlin? That's the that's the real question. Is is he gettable?
3: It's kind of like a LeBron James story in a lot of ways. Like in this, you know, Coughlin obviously is LeBron. Couldn't quite get it done, you know, with when his first stint uh, with the Jags went to New York, won two titles, you know. And now now he could be coming home. Yeah, so New York is Miami. So following in this that pattern, that would mean that the Jags are going to lose in the Super Bowl next year and then win the Super Bowl in two years. And who are they going to lose to? It, they would lose to the 49ers and then beat the 49ers. Okay. Perfectly sound logic.
2: I have yeah, no I, no counter argument whatsoever. Uh the disappointing season for Allen Robinson continues. If your choice is for your third receiver spot this week for a championship, or Allen Robinson going up against the Titans. Or Robbie Anderson going up against the Patriots. Is that a kicker? Yeah, exactly. You've, you've been you've been knocked out for a couple of weeks, I know, but the the Jets receiver, Bryce Petty's favorite target, maybe after Brandon Marshall, but yeah. I, I'd still play right? Alan Robinson. But
3: yeah, I mean it's like we talked about on Monday. You you just kinda have to keep going back to that well. It's the same story with Todd Gurley, you know, it's like we every data point says you're better off chancing it with you know some mid tier running back every week or some mid tier receiver, uh, especially these last four weeks when talking about Allen Robinson. But you, you just you know the data that we have from last year says like he was the best deep ball receiver in the NFL, and it's just hard to. You just feel like every you know if you sit him out of your lineup, that's the week he's going to go off, and you can say that about a lot of fantasy players.
2: I think the the better waiver type question is if you picked up Cameron Meredith, would you
3: play him
2: over Allen Robinson?
3: Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, Meredith has been so up and down. I mean, he's, he's had weeks where he completely disappeared. Like was it against the Packers? I think back in what week nine or something like that, where everybody was all over him. He had had those two big games, and then I don't think he had a catch. He had one. One, yeah. I mean, two it's, targets
2: in three consecutive games after yeah. having 140 targets in back. I think, and back I, think games. I would go Meredith. It's very very close. All right, so let's move on to the Jets. Oh, I'm taking the Titans minus five. By the way, that should be implied at this point. Jets, Patriots, Jets getting 16.5 on the road in New England, and yet I feel like the Patriots are going to smash them and win this game by 30. Am I crazy for thinking the Patriots minus 16.5 are a good bet?
3: No, not at all. I, I think the Patriots do a better job than anyone in the NFL and have for quite some time of taking advantage of bad quarterbacks, right? Like they will never lose to a team that is inexperienced or you know, overmatched at that position. Like Bryce Petty has no chance going up against a, a team like this that is so, so good at preparing and, and targeting weaknesses. So the theory then would be that if you believe that
2: much in the Patriots, whatever, the money line is going to be garbage. It'll be minus 1200 or something mm-hmm. terrible. We have to put a ton of money down to make anything. You should take every dollar you have and put it on the Patriots on the money line just to win straight up and get that little extra money back for at least putting it out yeah. there.
3: You know, this, this not at that level
2: where you'd you you'd put the mortgage, you'd put every, you'd put the house, all your assets on the Patriots on the money line.
3: Yeah, uh, my my huge stockpile of assets and my many homes and many vehicles. Uh, no, I, I mean, I guess if you want to play that strategy, are we? Ad- I mean, are we advocating like gambling, reckless gambling? No. I mean, it's, they're, they're just that good. They're 16.5-point they
2: favorites, and Bryce Petty is probably going to get mm-hmm. snapped in half this week because he probably already has like a partial crack running through his skeleton right now. Is,
3: is the biggest threat to the Patriots in the AFC not going to make the playoffs, that being Denver? The team that's had their number, the team that seems to at least be able to control them offensively, maybe not beat them, but slow them down? I think this Pittsburgh team, to me, is just not quite good enough. I think it's Pittsburgh because I think
2: Pittsburgh can get into the shootout with them and keep pace. And I think Oakland falls a little short yeah. in
3: that regard. Oakland's that team where like you hear it in the NBA a lot, where it's like you need to get there and lose once or twice and learn how to win. You know, like they're, like, they're like the 2011 Thunder. Where, like you could see him making a little run, but you just there's just it would be like shocking if this team went to the Super Bowl. I think
2: I think oakland's good i, I think am, they are good. I'm they're still not three. sold to them as a great team that knocks right. off Pittsburgh to the him do the playoffs i mean
3: none of none of no one on this roster has playoff experience with the Raiders like this group this core you know hasn't done anything yet, and not to take away from being an eleven and three team because they're you know they're objectively the second best team in the a f c but you know, it's just it's just hard right now to to really imagine them having a chance to knock off New England in a game that would probably be, you know, at New England.
2: Yeah, I think the Patriots roll again, giving up the sixteen
3: and a half in this case.
2: Let's go to the Colts and the Raiders, part of the late afternoon games on saturday remember games mostly on saturday this week so something to enjoy yeah. on your christmas eve raiders three and a half point favorites against a colts team that still has a lot to play for of course and a colts team that looked really good uh, in minnesota last week who do you take in this one this actually seems more like a pick to me than an actual game where the colts should be favored by three and a half i'm inclined to just take the colts with the points
3: yeah I mean I, which Colts team are we going to get though like we've seen the extremes I guess uh, on both ends for them then the biggest thing is they're just protecting Andrew luck now these last few weeks he's he really hasn't been touched nearly as much as he was through the first half of the season. I'm inclined to believe that the Colts are a little bit closer you know to this team maybe not blowing out a team like the Vikings who are you know a middle of the road team at this point um, but at the same time you know you look back a couple weeks ago they lose to a bad Texans team that was still starting Brock Osweiler so i I still you know they're tough to trust, and this game is at oakland um i don't look at Oakland as a team that's going to get complacent after clinching last week that doesn't really happen in the n f l does it
2: no i don't I don't think so because there are still seeding implications right. that are important i mean you'd still like to get a first round buy if you're the raiders that that's a that's a big deal to have that to get that extra rest so uh, I look at them as a team that certainly has everything to play for this, this week and I would assume next week too, depending on how things break, uh, as a result of being the second-best team in the AFC. So I just think the Colts, going into the season especially, I thought the Colts and Raiders were similar teams, and I don't really know if what I've seen this year is enough for me to be convinced that anything has changed. Even though the records I mean, the Raiders have four more wins, the, the X factor, of course, is Khalil Mack. I mean, for as much as the Colts might be figuring some things out in the offensive line, Khalil Mack's the kind of player that could just be in Andrew Luck's face all day. And if that happens, mm-hmm. that really changes the complexion of the game. So I am nervous about how the Colts can handle Khalil Mack. That said, I still think the Colts at 3.5 make just a little bit more sense to me right now.
3: Khalil Mack is the defensive player of the year, right? Has to be. No, I don't, no, no I don't know. No J J Watt. To well, yeah, push right. There's really no Watt. I mean, you could probably make a case for Von Miller. Just yeah. you know, partially on reputation, partially on just how well respected he is. Um, like the, I mean, the numbers are going to be there for Mac. I, I don't think it's really all that close.
2: Who do you think is more important to the Raiders' success, Derek Carr or Khalil Mack?
3: I think Derek Carr. That's not a shot at Mack at all. It's just like the drop-off between Derek Carr and whoever you would probably replace him with seems like it would be bigger. Matt McGloin. Right. Right. That, I didn't want to say his name, but yeah. Matt McGloin.
2: I was just spitballing there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucks, Saints, first time around, very disappointing. Jameis Winston didn't throw a TD pass. Drew Brees didn't either. Over-under combined six-and-a-half passing TDs for these two quarterbacks in this game. Take the under. All right, I'll I'll make it more reasonable. I'll say
3: over under five and a half passing TDs. I'll still go under. I think they maybe get to five. Like the Saints, both these teams just continue to disappoint in like these shootout type of games that look like they should be all over the board. And then in a game like going up against a pretty decent Arizona defense last week, then the Saints put up 49, not when they're up against Tampa Bay or when they're up against Atlanta.
2: I think Tampa Bay does have underrated ability on the defensive side of the ball. The Saints at home, as we've seen time and time again, still a very explosive offense. I know mm-hmm. they laid that egg against the Lions, so they're not perfect. Vegas still has it as a 52-and-a-half over-under. Saints favored by three. Vegas tends to be pretty good at making lines. They do. I'm erring on the side of the Saints doing what they typically do. The Bucks having to keep pace. Mike Evans rebounding from a disappointing stretch. Jameis Winston playing a lot better. I would take, if I were enticed with, with a good good payout, I'd take the over on the six and a half passing TDs. I think you might get four and three or you know five and two from those guys. I think it could be that kind of week uh, right. for these two teams. Do you think Mark Ingram is in danger of losing any carries after the the outburst on the sidelines towards Sean Payton when Tim Hightower kept vulturing him on Sunday?
3: I don't think so. I think, you know, you could see it. It's not like Peyton and he were in like a shouting match. It seemed like it was kind of one sided and it also seemed like Peyton was able to calm him down and, and there were comments earlier in the week where, you know, of course Ingram was asked about it at practice and you know he took the high road and basically apologized and said he overreacted and said he respects Sean Peyton. So I think they're good.
2: All right. Good deal. Glad they buried the hatchet. Cards, Seahawks. Uh, they played a six six tie earlier this year, I believe. Is that right? Six six. 9-9. Nine, nine.
3: It was ugly. Is it 6-6? Six, six? Oof. Let's, that let's, sounds right. Let's go. Um, I, kinda, I think I might have just purged that game from my memory. Did you
2: just delete that one from your from your very well set? may have. 6-6, six
3: six, yep. Yeah, I thought I, I, thought I saw that was. was six oh, six yeah, that was the game. field goal game. Yeah, the field goal game. Yeah. Two missed field goals in overtime. Short ones, right? Russell Wilson and Carson Palmer combined for almost 600 yards passing, and neither of them threw a pick or a touchdown.
2: Very strange game indeed. So I, I look at this one as uh, very unlikely to be as ugly as the first meeting. The Seahawks are the better team. But I, I like Arizona to keep it close, closer yeah. than 7.5. Carson Palmer has his faults, but Arizona, as you talked about earlier, they're the team that you, you don't want to quite bury. Mm-hmm. They're not going to the playoffs, obviously, at 5-8, and eight, but... The, they're not a team but five eight and one i love how the covers website like cuts off the tide to pretend like it never happened it happened they're not even getting to 500 this year and you
3: look at them as a team that you don't you don't want to well, see like, them to me like, something to play for right to me if like if you're a team like green bay detroit even you know washington who tampa bay who needs to win you know these last two games i think to me like having to play the falcons is like just as scary as having to play arizona like Arizona Arizona is you know there's a few teams above them like obviously you you wouldn't want to play New England or probably Oakland um even the Giants maybe but to me Arizona despite being a 5-win team is right there like they I don't I don't want to play them as much as I don't want to play Seattle at this time of the year
2: the tricky thing too though for Seattle and we know how important home field advantage is for them you know the Seahawks and the Falcons are still vying for the number 2 seed potentially behind the Cowboys so that's right. that's kind of a big deal for the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, Arizona is simply playing spoiler. I think the Cardinals will actually embrace that role. Their defense got embarrassed last week at home. I like them to bounce back and at least play a close game. Even though I expect the Seahawks to win, I think it's by three or four as opposed to uh seven and a half. I think just, I don't think they're I don't think they're beating them by more than a TD. I love the half. If it were seven, you push it seven, I'd still take the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. But I love that you're getting the extra hook on there. Niners Rams. First meeting, the Monday night doubleheader, Chip Kelly, winning his debut with the Niners convincingly 28 nothing. It was the only game all season in which the Niners did not allow an opposing teams running back to get to 10 fantasy points. Todd Gurley held in check wow, in that opener. A Maybe a sign of things to come. Fozzie Whitaker, Fozzie Whitaker went off the following week. For Carolina, going up against that San Francisco defense, Navarro Bowman got hurt. Things spiraled out of control from there. So I know the, the community at large, the fantasy community, DFS players, they're all over Todd Gurley this week because, hey, everyone makes their layup against San Francisco. I realize Navarro Bowman not being there versus Navarro Bowman being out there makes a difference. But Todd Gurley was awful the first time he faced them, and there hasn't been a lot to get excited about with Gurley in recent weeks.
3: No, for sure. When we get that media intern one of these days, we need priority number one is going to be finding a, that Mel Kiper, Todd Todd Todd, 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 Todd. So anytime we talk Gurley, um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is this has to be the week, right? If you've somehow survived the entire season with Todd Gurley, you know, as one of your starting running backs, someone you probably spent a top three pick on, and you're still alive or whatever you're playing for, you can't really feel any better about this matchup than or I, I don't know I'm think I'm phrasing this wrong. Basically this is the best matchup that he'll have, you know, have had since week 1. You couldn't you couldn't be happier
2: than you are right, right now as a Todd Gurley owner. This right. is it's as like, good
3: if, as it can possibly be. If he doesn't go off this week, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. His value for next year is going off against the Niners. I
2: think his value for next year is already kind of set up regardless of what happens this week right. and next. The only thing he could do that would Start making people reconsider what's happened to him throughout this year is if he had even th- like the best game yet that anyone's had against this crappy defense, like if Todd Gurley comes out and runs for two hundred and seventy yards he's back, which is possible, yeah, the way people would view him for next year would change significantly so even though San Francisco's defense is really
3: bad i mean if he if he comes out and is you know carries twenty times for like fifty eight yards. Then what? Like then is it? Is he Trent Richardson? Then more of that talk will pick up, right? And then the Colts will trade a first rounder for him, probably.
2: I actually, but the difference is with Gurley, he at least had a stretch last year, four consecutive hundred yard games. He was a better prospect than Richardson, in the eyes of mm, some.
3: I mean, I think I think so. I mean, Richardson went higher. Although if Gurley you know, wasn't coming off the injury, you could argue he would have gone. And if Richardson never
2: happens, Gurley probably goes high. Like I feel like Richardson's, Richardson's the cautionary tale. Richardson became a difference maker in the way that teams handle running yes. backs in the draft. He took the torch from Cedric Benson. He did. ex packer Cedric Benson. Cedric Benson uh, is the kind of guy that you, you just hope you don't see him on a boat when, when you're in the lake. You don't want him to be on a different boat driving the boat. Why it's not
3: good? not a good? Does he have a history of boat related issues? He does have some boating related offenses, I believe. Uh, Bui uh, or what? Yeah, interesting. Bui, super extreme Bui. Well, that's that's the, no. It actually is called Bui. I just look, looked this up yesterday. I thought it was just, a, just still driving. even no, though it's, on the road.
2: it's Bui. Yeah, Michael Floyd. I was that video. Man, it's it's a bad situation. It's like, a
3: bad look for
2: him. Get, get but help. I don't.
3: I also don't love the whole like. You know, like Belichick saying, like, oh, we did, well, we didn't know he blew above a point two oh. Like, to me, drunk driving is drunk driving. Right? It's bad regardless. It's like, well, if you well, if you blew a point one eight, then it's somehow, like, not quite as oh, bad. Like, it, you it, were drunk yeah. and you got behind the wheel of a car. Like, the video thing, it kind of sucks for Floyd because, like, there's a lot of guys who have probably been in, like, the same situation. There just isn't, like, clear video of it right. that is published. Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to defend people who, you know, the DUI thing, but it's just – the blood alcohol content to me doesn't matter. Like the fact, I will say as a caveat, if you're like just over the legal limit and you know you get pulled over and get a DUI, like that sucks because like you know, like you've, you you know how you feel. And if you think you're good and like you're really that close to being good, that that really is you know a tough way to go out. But to me, if you're above a certain point, like it doesn't really matter. You're drunk. You're drunk. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. You shouldn't like have to defend a signing because he was under a certain BAC or over a certain BAC. It's hard to find any path to defend. Any DUI. I mean, the laws
2: right. vary from state to state in terms of the legal limit can can fluctuate a bit. It's higher here in Wisconsin than it is in Arizona. Arizona is one of the more stringent states, which yeah. I feel like that should just be the same everywhere, and it should be stringent everywhere for obvious reasons. The only thing I could think of is that you could drink some combination of alcohol, where you have a, you have two beers, and they're double or triple beers you don't realize it when you drink them i guess i i would know because i always know what i'm what i'm drinking and oh this is a 9.5 percent wee heavy scotch ale it's actually two beers in one right if i drink two of those i'm not driving that's four beers in like an hour i'm not gonna go do that right. it's it's obvious to me but it's not obvious to everyone so i guess maybe you could get into some trouble with some some higher abv stuff and and just not really yeah, realize it i just it, think it's
3: a mental thing like you know you uh, full disclosure, I've drank alcohol before. I think you have you as have? well. And, like, you just know. like You know if, like, there's a line, you know, like, you just know if you should be drinking It's just so not. easy to get around without
2: driving yourself.
3: You, like, yeah. I, I mean, that's the other. Especially if you're an NFL player. Like, teams have these, like, runners set up, don't they? Yeah. And if you don't want to use that,
2: right. call yourself a, a Lyft, an Uber, a cab, a limo, whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Saints and, and Bucks go, uh, I'm on the Saints minus three. I don't know if I clarified that so, before.
3: So still talking about that?
2: Yeah, just just closing the book on that. Cardinals plus seven and a half. I'm there. And this Niners Rams game. I'm not even
3: going to get my picks. I don't think anybody's hinging on my picks.
2: You've been you've been like not making picks for weeks now, right? And uh, Niners Rams. Todd Gurley's going to make his layup this week. I think the Rams are going to hold serve and get it done. I think
3: I picked in my pick and pool. I think I picked the Niners just straight
2: up. The Mannion factor could be there. Yeah, it could be Mannion instead of Goff, but does that oh, really matter? Why would you do
3: that? I don't. Know. I don't think it makes Golf a hurt.
2: Goff's hurt. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Bengals Texans over under forty two. It's a pick 'em.
3: Who are you picking? There's no lines. This this is this is ripe for you. I think Cincy. they've they've played well these last three weeks. Obviously, they blew a big lead against Pittsburgh last week, uh, but they're they're a little feistier, a little bit feistier than I thought they would be. The Texans, you know, I mean, with Savage Life. Under center, I I do like this offense a little more, but also one half against the Jaguars is like the definition of a sample that you it's really hard to take anything away from.
2: He's in Matt Barkley range where some people are going to be excessively excited about him, and I'm going to need to see Mm -hmm. several weeks of performance before I can get on board with him as anything more than just a a good backup. But it's a seemingly better choice than Brock Osweiler. I I, I agree with what Bill O'Brien's doing, making the switch. I'm gonna take Houston. They got something to play for. Since he doesn't, I mean, Houston's pretty solid across the board. To me, these two teams are actually even. Like they, Mm -hmm. I mean,
3: the Vegas has it right. Like the Bengals, if they were in the AFC South, would be winning the division, right? Yes. Even with their injuries, I think they would.
2: Yes, I think they would too. Ravens Steelers part of the Sunday matchups. It's a 4:30. This is going on right in the
3: midst of Warriors Cavs. So.
2: So you're not going to watch this? So
3: I, yeah, this game does not exist.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, LeBron's on, so mm-hmm. you, you got to give LeBron your full attention, I suppose. Uh, Ravens are five point dogs going into Pittsburgh. I mean, this this is essentially a division deciding game. If the Ravens can yeah. can win this one, it changes the look of, of things going into Week 17. If they lose, the Steelers win the division.
3: Yeah, and if Baltimore loses this, they probably don't make the playoffs. Sitting at sitting at eight and six, tied with Tennessee and Denver. Um, you know, a Colts win or or a Buffalo win would then, uh, you know, would tie them with Baltimore. So yeah, I mean, this is not only for the division, but it's probably for a playoff spot, especially in the case of Baltimore already being a game behind Pittsburgh. Really
2: tricky line. I'm going Steelers in this case, a team that I trust so much more at home. Yep. The Ravens also have those strong home road splits. The Ravens every year they hang around, they push for eight and eight, nine and seven, and I, I got to give. John Harbaugh, credit. I mean, Ravens I, are, I, the Ravens are good. I didn't think they would do this well this year, and they have exceeded expectations, but I think they fall in this one by a TD. I think Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell's is going to just, even in a tough matchup, I think he can have a field day against anybody, and I think they're going to have a difficult time slowing down the Pittsburgh offense. Your Sunday night game, Broncos, Chiefs, over under is 37.5. Warm but rainy conditions expected at Arrowhead, 3.5. Uh, the Chiefs are favored by what do you think is the first meeting kind of still fresh in your mind is one where the Chiefs looked like the more creative team offensively, the one that you feel a little better about as far as when they need to make a big play they're likely to make yeah, it yeah
3: I mean they were losing that game and probably should have lost it for for most of it I mean at denver um you know kind of gave up some big plays near the end, and i i don't know, i was i didn't come away like really impressed with the Chiefs at the time. Uh, but we've also seen them make similar type of plays and similar type of comebacks since then. So at some point it becomes more more than a trend, uh, I guess, and, and I think they they just have a knack for those type of plays. Um, but again, I mean, Denver was in control of that game at home. I believe, if I remember correctly, there was some sort of extra point, two-point conversion controversy at, in that one. So Denver was up eight and you know could have put it away, I think, with a two-point conversion, and they ended up, Giving up a long touchdown and then giving up a two point conversion and then losing in overtime after missing a field goal.
2: Yeah, they should have gone for two and didn't because right. the Chiefs wouldn't have gone for two. They would have just kicked.
3: It would have been tied. The Chiefs wouldn't have gone for two right. to go ahead after they you scored that think, TD.
2: No.
3: So they, they screwed up. The I don't know. It's also like every situation. It's it's a hindsight twenty twenty. You know that one might have had some But like you're, math. For, you're you're still forcing the Chiefs to go for two and get it, which like if you have the Broncos defense, I think you feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I'd love to see what the books say on lot that of, one. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I wish we were at a blackjack table. I would I would, I would, I would
2: definitely ask. I want to ask a blackjack dealer. Is like so uh, the Broncos make them yeah a the stake. Broncos
3: stayed on that. Probably should have hit. <laughs>
2: That'd be great. I'll take the Chiefs giving up the three and a half. I think they're going to go ahead and, and knock
3: out down. I think this, is, this will be it for Denver if the Chiefs win. Should put Denver on the yeah. playoffs. Six straight years that either Denver or New England has been the one seed in the AFC. Probably going to be seven, but still crazy.
2: Ugh, it's going to be seven. It is going to be seven. Lions-Cowboys. There's been a lot of concern this week that if the Eagles beat the Giants on Thursday, the Cowboys are going to rest everybody. Jason Garrett's been in a situation like that before. He plays starters into the third quarter, or into the fourth quarter rather. They need to play. They would have a first round bye, Week 17 and Week 16 off. They started Mm -hmm. sitting now. That's not going to happen. I don't think you have any concerns about the Cowboys for Week 16. If your league plays into Week 17, that's where you could see players start to rest if they have a a minor injury that would ordinarily be something they could play through. Maybe Zeke's a guy that in week 17 gets a seat because they want to run more Alfred Morris and and Darren McFadden. But I wouldn't worry about week 16 championship week if that's the case in many leagues. I would not worry about the Cowboys this week, even if the Eagles win tonight. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah, I think Zeke's the one guy you worry about next week just because he's had, you know, he leads the NFL in carries. Uh, But I also think, Barring you know a collapse this week and a huge week from Demarco Murray, like he's going to have the rushing title wrapped up. You know that, I think that is something to consider, um, and I think you know if he's ahead by 200 yards going into Week 17, maybe they limit him to seven or eight carries, something like that. You know if you're a Packers fan, you obviously want Dallas to play at starters and beat Detroit, but at the same time, it doesn't really matter because if Detroit loses, and even if the Packers win this week over Minnesota, if Detroit beats the Packers next week, they still don't get the division. So. To me, like you know, I've I've talked to a lot of Packers fans this week that are worried about that, and it's like it just really doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, seems like it's all going to be fine since they, they meet up next week as long as the Packers take care of business against the Vikings. Yep. Uh, I think the Lions will cover the seven. I mean, I think they're they're going to be fine. They'll keep it closer than that. I I don't Dallas to me doesn't seem like a team that's going to blow anybody out.
3: Win, no, win not really. It's weird because like, you watch them and they win convincingly, and you're like, you come away thinking like, wow, this team is really good. But yeah, you look at the scores; they're not, they don't have those kind of games like teams like Atlanta have had or New England have had, where they just dominate. You know, looking at the final score, but you still do feel like they control the game.
2: Yeah, so I, I think they win outright, but I think the Lions within seven is yeah. very the Lions very are reasonable. Feisty. What uh, so? What else is on your mind here as we wrap things up? We got to go to Guadalajara today.
3: Yeah, yeah, we we got our eyes on a free dinner, uh, or a free lunch, I guess. We've been we've been hitting up this Mexican place every Thursday for what the last two ish years. Two three years, yeah. And yeah, you know they're very appreciative over there at Guadalajara, uh, and I think we're gonna get a free meal. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm heading home to Green Bay right after that. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So gonna be a pretty. Pretty big evening uh actually i'm going out to dinner in green bay so i think i'm gonna double up on lunch and dinner so you're you're dressed up for dinner i see right and i'm going out for dinner with a friend and she has a gift card for this restaurant back home so i think i'm gonna go two for two not paying for lunch or dinner
2: wow this is this sounds like a big day for
3: you yeah it's uh it's a pretty big day
2: all right well i hope everything goes well uh with the dinner and and such i hope that's a nice experience and uh Thanks for doing the Thursday pod again this year. As I mentioned before, this is our our last one of the 2016 season. Tim and I are back on Friday uh, this week and then again next week for week 17. Only two episodes left this season, Nick.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've come a long way. It's it's crazy. I think we're going to be letting a lot of people down.
2: All right. Well, good luck to those who are not listening (laughs) to the Friday episode as you get ready for week 16. Tim and I are back with you tomorrow.